You're listening to the Charleston Real Estate Investors Podcast with Maven Realty. I'm Troy Gandy, broker in charge, as always, with Dan Rivers, your eco-friendly realtor. This is a bi-monthly podcast dedicated to all things real estate and real estate investing in the Charleston area. Our brokerage is dedicated to helping buyers, sellers, and especially investors. If you're ready to buy or sell residential, commercial, or investment real estate, don't hesitate to contact us. You can find us online at www.mavenrealtysc.com. Enjoy the show. All right, this is uh, episode number nine of the uh, Maven Realty Presents the Charleston Real Estate Investors Podcast. I'm Troy Gandy. I'm the broker in charge. As always, I've got my buddy Dan Rivers here, the eco-friendly realtor. Howie. And we got uh, one of our good buddies here, too, to be our guest today. We're excited to, to chat with this guy. He's been investing um, last couple years. I've, I know I've been helping him for a couple years. Dan's been helping some, too, lately. So been tag-teaming, um, getting some stuff going. So we're excited to talk to him. He has a really cool profession that lends itself very well to investing and just real estate in general. So he's got a really cool perspective. He says stuff that I don't even think about a lot of the time when it comes to construction and um, zoning and permitting and all that stuff that I don't, I, I take for granted and I think it'll be a, a walk in the park and it's usually not. So um, we've got a few featured listings here. Do you want to chat about what you got going on, Dan? Yeah, I got a couple coming up in uh, Ladson probably early next week. They're in the process of being um, renovated at the moment and uh, one's going to be uh, 4-2 um, another one's a three-two, and then this one in Somerville, a three-one and a half. They're all between one sixty to one eighty-five range. So anybody looking for a nicely uh, beautiful renovated home in that price range, please reach out to me. I'm happy to try to get you in there before it hits the market. That's awesome. Yeah. Good. I've got um, <clears throat> don't have a ton of new stuff right now. I've got one wholesale that I'm buying in West Ashley. Um, I'm going to turn around and sell that for like 250 I only have to put a couple thousand into it. I'm excited about that one. I wouldn't have touched it if I had to put more than like $5,000 worth of work into it. So that'll come on market pretty soon. And then hopefully we're going to have a lot of listings before too long because I just started doing a new marketing thing with um, a social media marketing company. And we're hopefully going to get a lot of leads on stuff. And I'm hoping some of those leads are going to be from motivated sellers who might have things that would be a good investment property as well. Um, it's just that it's weird the way that a lot of the laws with that marketing has changed. Um, so I would rather just hire it out because they have to keep up with that stuff. Like you can't um, target based on income anymore. So you have to find other ways. You have to look at like their interests and stuff and try to figure out, you know, what type of price range these people might be in. Um, so hopefully they're, they're saying that we're supposed to get like 100 qualified leads a month at least so hopefully we'll have something going on that'd be great yeah i know i'm excited about it too so um and then as always we've got a market update from dan he's done some homework for us so (laughs) what you got i'll be quick on this one um usually the ones in the beginning of the month is when i go a little more thorough into it but bottom line is the end of um september we're up 3.9 percent in sales from last september so Again, just a, just a quick overview. I'm sure a lot of people see it. It's the same as it's been for a little while. Under that 250, 225 mark seems to still be moving pretty quickly um, if it's priced right and marketed properly. Um, and then a little bit over that price range, depending on where you're at, or downtown still moving somewhat slow. 
um, for various reasons, but it's still, the market seems strong. Charleston still is a great area for a lot of people wanting to move to. I know I just went to a an investors convention this past weekend. Uh, Bigger Pockets had their convention in um, Nashville, which is an awesome city if you haven't been there yet. Um, but a lot of the talks are, is, you know, Charleston is one of the markets that a lot of even outside investors try to look in because of the, not only the growth and where it's at, but the amount of businesses that are here and um, the, the beaches, the downtown, the stability of the market in this area. It seems to be growing and uh, a, good, a good part to invest in. So, Cool. Yeah, yeah I'm glad you went to that. I, I would have liked to have gone, but we're going to go to Vegas in December for a different one. Yeah. So I'm glad you got a lot out of it. All right, well, we're going to get to our guest. I'm excited to talk to this guy. This is Patrick Orifus. Patrick is an architect um, by trade and profession, um, and he's been doing some investing himself, too. So I don't even remember when I met. He's probably been like three or four years. Yeah, it's definitely been, been, been a little while. I was trying to think about that today. Yeah. I, I don't remember how I, we met. Maybe at one of the happy hours or something like that, or bigger pockets. I think it actually might have been through your wife. Because uh, my wife is oh, yeah. with okay. uh, your wife's best friend. Yeah, mm. okay. Yeah, you're right. Um, and we got along right away, and we've done quite a few deals now. Yeah, I mean, yeah, kind of a couple. You may make me sound like uh, I'm a little more experienced than I feel like I am sometimes. <laughs> well, but, uh, but, like, looking back, I, you know, I've done a couple of deals. Yeah, so. some yeah, fairly complicated good. ones, too. Like, we'll get into it in a little while, but you just had one, um, a renovation loan. Um, an FHA base was an FHA, uh, it was not an FHA conventional. It was a conventional. Okay, um, well, I'm glad yeah, to talk about this too because I don't know some all the nuances that yeah. came along with that. That Dan was helping me out on that one, and some things came up we we were not expecting. Yeah, no. Yeah. Which that'll be really good to talk about because so many people are trying to house hack right now. That I think if some of them understood the difference between like, and that's what we'll talk about later is like using hard money versus getting like a renovation style loan for a house hack or something like that um and you've done some str stuff too mm-hmm. which is really cool um and exciting so you um you're like i said you're an architect by trade yeah yeah i've been a licensed architect since 2011 so eight nine years now um grew up in connecticut went out to oklahoma for school went out to colorado for almost 10 years that's where i originally got licensed and been in the Charleston area about four and a half years now, licensed here in South Carolina as well, and uh, recently got out of working in the commercial architectural world and into a little bit more of commercial real estate development uh, as a day job. So my I do the real estate thing on the side, which is also comes with uh, some time constraints and yeah. different mm-hmm. things, trying to figure that out. Um, but it's been good. You guys, you guys are always awesome helping me. Good. Well. Thanks, yeah. man. Tell yeah. us, uh, yeah. Why don't you tell us a little bit about? Um, I know you said you're an architect. You, you're now working for a real estate firm. So, um, but yeah, tell us about the. Uh, so yeah, so I said that I, uh, I'm no longer working in commercial architecture, mm-hmm. but I do own my own business for residential architecture. Mm-hmm. It's very much geared toward real estate investors. I want to be an investor. I know how investors think, but I also know architecture. So, um, I like to help other investors get down and dirty with projects mm-hmm. and get it out really quick. One of the biggest things that hurts an investor's holding costs oh, yeah. for an architect to, to get just something for something that somebody, uh, something that I can do for uh, probably a lot less than one of these bigger firms. Um, and that's Arwen Studio. Okay. Yeah, and Patrick's and all about balance. Yeah. Um, the Arwen is all about balance. Oh, cool. It's about balance in life, balance in work, balance in everything. Oh, I didn't know that. I need to learn. That's pretty cool. Yeah, <laughs> I that's... need to learn more about that. And Patrick, <laughs> uh, just a little side note. I Personally, me and my wife were doing a... Um, trying to get a, a build out of a duplex in the back of our home and Patrick's helped me out with that and been a tremendous help. He 
you know, put the plans together pretty quickly. Even had a, uh, we had to have an engineer stamp some of the, the work that was done. He had that done within a few days. So very impressed with yeah. how quickly you do things and the and the attention to detail. And we're probably going to tap you soon too. This is a good example of where an investor could use your help. I'm looking to partner with um, another investor friend of ours on a commercial property. And there's a really weird, huge flex space that's a garage in there. And we think it, that's not the highest and best use of that space. And Patrick's already offered to come and take a look at it um, to see, you know, yeah, what we're doing. That one. That's a, it's yeah. an interesting little project it's cool. going on. Yeah. It, it's similar. So if you want to talk about this, too, because we talked at Dan's wedding. Um, was that last weekend? Uh, about a week and a half, yeah, the Saturday before, so yeah. We talked, Patrick and I talked a lot about his new job, which is really interesting because it's basically, you're working for basically a big investment firm, yeah. essentially, mm-hmm. and they're doing some pretty cool stuff where they're mocking a whole new property type, right? Yeah, it's a, it's a brand new product up, and I can't really talk about it uh, too much, but they traditionally do a lot of self-storage stuff in a little bit of retail space. Okay. Um, this is a little bit different from what they normally do, but it's a, it's a brand new product, and they brought me in to... to not so much design anything, but run the uh, construction side of it for the developer. So it'll be it'll be a really cool project um, throughout the southeast right now. Uh, we're looking at some different stuff, and it should be good. Yeah, that's awesome. That is really cool because yeah. that's all numbers, you know. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Yeah, that's cool. So how um I do have a question for you. You know, you started. You said you've been an architect. You were out in Colorado for some time and everything. How'd you get into the real estate investing part of it? What kind of drove you there? Uh, so. Back when I was in Colorado, you know, you always kind of joke with your buddies at work, and they're like, man, we should just go flip houses. We'd have so much more fun if you and I just went out and started flipping houses together. And it was always kind of one of those, like, side jokes that, you know, ha, 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 here, but we're architects, so we're going to be doing this nine-to-five thing mm-hmm. for the next 60 years, and it's going to be, you know, that's what we do. Um, but that's when I started to find podcasts. You're sitting in front of a computer all day long, right. so you're looking for podcasts, so it started came across the bigger pockets ones, the, some real estate guys one I think had one, um, some different things, which piqued my interest. Like, how can I actually make this work? Um, so I started reading books, doing different things, and, and recently, probably the last two or three years, was when I realized that I'm a book learner. I've always been a book learner. But in all things, there comes a point that if you really care about it, you really want to make it go, you've got to pull the trigger. Right. And, and as scared as that you might be on that and as much as you know you're worried about your wife and you're worried about some other stuff that you either have to pull the trigger or you don't and, and that's when you and I started talking Troy mm-hmm. and, and we, we were able to, to work it out and start start making things move yeah um, but it was it was always just kind of one of those I don't want to be doing the nine to five every yeah. day and mm-hmm. my architecture background is is great in real estate and it's I was in the market for a while in the stock market and you invest in what you know, you invest in what you understand, mm-hmm. and the market wasn't for me. Yeah. You know, I can pull numbers, mm-hmm. but it wasn't for me. I know buildings. Yeah. I know buildings well. Mm-hmm. I understand how they go together. I understand costs and how that go together. So it's uh, it's just more tangible. It seemed, yeah, much more. And, it, and now it's, I'm super excited about it. I love talking real yeah. estate with you guys. Mm-hmm. I love getting into any conversation that I can. Yeah. Can you, Um, I, I think you made a good point there. We've talked a little bit about it on other episodes about basically analysis, analysis um, paralysis where you just you read you study you learn things I heard someone tell me the other day that someone was they were talking to someone and they've been listening to the podcast and reading books for eight years and they asked them how many deals they've done they said zero yeah and that's unfortunately it's more common than you think yeah. that maybe not eight years whatever it is but what is maybe a piece of advice being someone in that position that you could tell our listeners that you know when when's that moment that you were like you know what I'm doing it I'm not gonna 
sit any longer on the sideline. So I think there's, there's a couple things that come in with that. Um, networking doesn't cost you anything. Mm-hmm. You can network, you can meet people. Um, meeting you guys has really helped just kind of push me toward that next one, push me toward that next goal. Uh, Dan and I do a little bit of an accountability mastermind together um, to make sure that we're push, always pushing each other, always pushing each other toward goals. Um, but that, that first point really for me started just buy a single family house. Mm-hmm. Um, you buy a single family house, 5% down. My wife and I need a place to live. It was cheaper than rent in downtown Charleston to buy. Um, so we, we did that and then we realized we didn't, not that we didn't like the area, but we wanted to be back downtown. Mm-hmm. So we bought again, we turned the other one into, into a short term rental. Um, which worked out, we can go on that a little bit. Mm-hmm. But uh, so it was just like, okay, buy the next one. And then Troy and I uh, sold that one recently. Yeah. And, you know, everything kind of comes back to, to where you are in life and what you need to do. But then it's, you know, so we didn't 1031 after specific, very specific reasons. Yeah. Mike and I didn't. Um, but what we, that has allowed us to now buy this new property in the Wayland subdivision mm-hmm. that, uh, that I'm really excited about. We're starting mm-hmm. to work on it. And then, and it'll be a stronger i think the numbers will be better oh, the numbers will be so much better. yeah and so it's an easier asset to deal with mm-hmm. so we can talk about the differences with those um in a little while and it, it that for a long period of time we were looking in chicora and union heights mm-hmm. in those areas and you were so ready to get something and we just couldn't nothing yeah, would click those it's been so yeah. it's, you know it kind of doesn't cost anything to put out offers yeah you know if, if a deal hits a deal hits mm-hmm. i mean we put out some that were half of what the asking price was yeah. and they laughed in our face mm-hmm. and i i just kind of went back it's like i'm sorry man i'd love to offer you more but this is where the numbers work yeah and the property is still on the market still and that months later the part of the problem in that case too to give ourselves a little bit of credit is sometimes the other agents just really bad that dude would never get back in touch mm-hmm. with me. It was six units total, two triplexes. Uh, yeah, it was two triplexes next to each other. And they were really cheap, but they were in horrible shape. Like they almost needed to rebuild mm-hmm. from the ground up. Mm-hmm. So our offer, in my opinion, wasn't even unfair. I thought it was on the high side. I did too. too. Yeah. Like we were pushing to try to get up there. And um, the biggest problem was like it would be a week. I couldn't get a hold of the guy to even get a declination for him to even say we're not going to take it. So it's still on the market now. And I bet you that, you know, they've probably had. A dozen other offers like that. Right. They could have sold it, and they're just not answering the phone. Well, and that, I mean, that's that's a problem right now, especially you're seeing it in this market still being somewhat of the seller's market, especially when you go to multifamily. It yeah. absolutely is. Is that if you're an agent, you just trying to you know some agents you just get the listing, but if you're not realistic on what the repairs are mm-hmm. in there, um, you know after repair value, what your actual rent costs. I mean, I see this all the time when we're looking at deals. You know, they're trying to get the one percent rule. On the actual, actual, I'm sorry, on the maximum amount of rent they maybe could get, yeah. and it's not operating anywhere near there, and mm-hmm. it's in a, it's in a flood zone, and there's flood insurance mm-hmm. on it, and there's a lot of different expenses mm-hmm. that come into play, and um, so it's hard. Some it's just unrealistic expectations of values. Yeah, and a lot of those agents aren't investors. They their company mm-hmm. might say you should help investors, and this is how you invest. But other than just learning how to do a cap rate, you know, they might not have a lot of experience. But I I don't mind either going often to look at properties in places like that because if you're going if you have an investor client that wants strongly to look in a particular area there's a reason you're going there mm-hmm. so you should go and happily go and look around and see what's going on in there because that those particular neighborhoods are going to change in a huge way yeah, eventually yeah. <laughs> so 
You know, I mean, that's what happened to Whalen right now. You got, yeah, you're getting exactly. in at a good time. There's a couple of good flips going on in there. Some The yeah. values are starting to increase. The rent's pretty good in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and Whalen, for no discernible reason, really, just kind of became the one that mm-hmm. got in that whole general area because Dorchester Such Terrace yep. is mm-hmm. where I've got some. And I thought that one would turn quicker than Whalen because it's closer to Cosgrove, closer to the water and stuff. But those are way more livable, those neighborhoods are, than the Chikora Union Heights or whatever. But Wayland just something happened in there. Somebody flipped one at the right time, and it just caused a domino effect. And people that have owned stuff in there for a long time are real happy <laughs> right yeah. now because yeah. the, the prices have tripled yeah. in like five years. Yeah. So I think you're getting in there a really good time. Oh, yeah. 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 I've been over there a lot lately, uh, getting into eight, nine o'clock at night. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, it's actually a really nice neighborhood. It's not bad. Yeah. No, I lived nice. in Dorchester Terrace in two houses for like four years. And that's same thing with pulling the trigger. Like, I just went to the Clear Vision thing last weekend, which is Russ Delling, uh, Dustin, Dusty and Kelly. And that was one of the things we talked about a lot was like just taking action. Yeah. You know, even if it's small, if you just set yourself an action item every day and do it. Um, so I, what was I saying? I just completely <laughs> lost my train of thought. This is a later one in the day. Than yeah, we usually, we usually go in the morning. No, that's fine. I wanted to kind of shift. I do want to talk more about that Whalen. Um, that's what we're going to get into yeah. and kind of dissect that a little bit. But before we do, I know you mentioned you had the one downtown. You turned it into a short-term rental. Just give us a just a you know a little overview of that, the good and the bad. Um, I think sometimes hearing the little bit of horror stories can help people yeah, out as much as yeah. the good stuff. So, yeah, everybody loves to talk uh, SDRs and and how great they they can be and how much cash flow you can get from that. And and it's all true. You really can. But there's a lot of bits and pieces that come with it that I think people need to be ready for mm-hmm. and they're not expecting. So uh, my wife and I bought a place downtown and we turned our place uh, just over the bridge near the Windermere area into a short-term rental. Um, we did a little bit of work on the inside. Outside still needed a little bit of work, but it was it was at a little bit of an awkward intersection, mm-hmm. if you will. And um, I think that actually hurt us just based on location mm-hmm. straight up. So it's, it's really important to to understand that location because we were expecting oh you know all strs get this much right over the bridge downtown we're literally 100 yards away from yeah the you know they get this much over in the avondale area we're you know half a mile from the avondale area. yeah but we were getting half to three quarters of that yeah and so all of a sudden our cash flow wasn't wasn't great but even just setting that up was you need to furnish an entire house mm-hmm. you need to provide furniture beds, pots and pans, silverware. Mm-hmm. And we were providing coffee and yeah. different things for, for everybody. Um, you know, that's, it was five to $10,000 yeah. of just stuff that needed to be put into the house right off the bat that um, if you're buying a place specifically as an SDR, like you got to put that into your numbers yeah. and then you're paying all utilities, you're paying water, you're paying all this other stuff on top of that too. So your monthly costs will be a lot more. Mm-hmm. Um, and replacing things, you know, you gotta provide paper towels. You know, it's not a big expense, but it's an expense. Yeah. Um, so all those all those different bits and pieces. Um, it's also very tourist season here in town. So yeah. We did great. We we crushed it from April, May, June through you know September, but we were dead mm-hmm. every other month. Yeah, absolutely. Dead. We were lucky to have one weekend booked. Yeah, a lot of those, those soft months. We experience that over here all the time. It's I mean, we're we're super cheap, so we do fortunately stay a little more booked. But we see our occupancy go from ninety eight 
in the warmer months to like fifty mm-hmm. percent for yeah. a period of those months. And the first year was really hard. We're more used to it now, so we sort of prepare for it a little bit more. But it's it's really difficult. Yeah. yeah, you almost have to be. It could be a little creative in that stuff, and just something that we've thought of if we were gonna short term rental one of our units is that it may make sense during those slower months. A lot of people are moving out of a house and into a house and they need a short term mm-hmm. stay for like, you know, three weeks, a month. Yeah. And maybe, you know, maybe you shift your focus yeah. for those people thinking about short term rentals, mm-hmm. maybe during those slower months. See if some um, realtors or some people that need, you know, a month before they move into their new home, they're coming mm-hmm. down here, they're looking for a house, they need a place to stay for a little bit. Maybe a little bit better than focusing on those nightly rentals yeah, yeah. for those dead months. Yeah. yeah. Anything more than thirty days is in a short term. Right. So it, yeah. it doesn't fall into those same jurisdictions. Because we tried that too. MUSC actually has internet platform. Yeah. For that type of thing. Oh, and nice. You get yeah. some good yeah, leads just from from MUSC uh, because they have visiting doctors and mm-hmm. visiting students and different things. So we well we ended up you you bought the Windermere house and then you wanted to go back downtown so you right. moved downtown to line yeah which is a really cool house really cool little house it was it 400 is. square yeah. feet one bedroom one bath fantastic place i hated to sell that one. i know i really hated to I sell know. that one. i i, I didn't um, i felt bad selling it because i just <laughs> liked it I, I was so hoping you wanted to buy it <laughs> i tried i wanted to man and that was the problem at least you could visit it yeah, yeah. you could stay in it we all want well that's the weekend. issue talking about talking about strs is it was in the str overlay so we listed it and I was like, wait a minute, I could probably clean house if I Airbnb'd this thing. Oh yeah, I would totally would have. But the problem was the size of it. So you're supposed to be, the new regulations, and forgive me because I've forgotten some of them. I don't really look at it that much anymore in the city of Charleston, but it you had to be present, right? Yeah. As it was rented yeah. out, which you can't really do in a 400 square foot right. house. And we didn't have any off-street parking. Right. So I was, I, I felt bad because I was like, I'm going to buy this from you. And then when I talked to the city, they were like, you can't do it. So, which, and that, which is great because the first time that you talked to them, they said we could yes. do it. And then they came back. And so said, that's a good rule of thumb too for people talking to anyone about any kind of zoning issue. Don't take just the one opinion. Like mm-hmm. they all can get confused. There's a lot going on in those offices. So you're better off to go to the office physically yourself mm-hmm. and talk to somebody in that department. If you just call and ask, you might not get the right answer. Yeah. Sometimes too, it can it can really help if you can get to to the director, right. the highest person on that list, mm-hmm. and get that their interpretation is their interpretation is going to be what trickles down to everybody else. Yes. Yeah, and I would say you know step further. This has to do with a lot of different due diligence when you have to go downtown um, to some sort of zoning or planning or whatever the case is. Is try to get something in writing as well mm-hmm. because that person you know I never know they may retire the next day. You know <clears throat> anything can happen. And if you don't have that in writing and you're you're banking on that to purchase a, a home, and it's also future stuff too. I mean, I know Mount Pleasant just put a lot more rules, oh, yeah. strict rules in place for short-term rentals. So this is why it's important to deal with realtors that, you know, it, there are, I think, what, 7,000 realtors in, yeah. in just the Charleston area. Yeah. It's really important to deal with people that focus and understand, um, you know, an area or a specific um, area of expertise when you're going about this because, um, you know, it could really end up costing you a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Someone who bought in Mount Pleasant for an Airbnb because they thought they were going to be able to do it. And all of a sudden, a month later, yeah. the laws changed. I mean, that's a lot of money that or downtown. Yeah, there or, was yeah. 200 or something like that downtown owners that couldn't do it any longer yeah. <clears throat> and had to turn around and sell them. And just as a sidebar, there I went to a city council debate for um, basically the Park Circle area the other day because we've got two um, candidates running against our incumbent. And all three of them said that they... Well, our, our current councilman doesn't like Airbnb. He's older, so I think it's weird to him. But our, the two challengers said that they do 
want to put some sort of regulation in place in North Charleston. So it won't be long before there's something. I think it'll be sensible, but just people should be aware not to come to North Charleston and just buy something they think they can have SCR wide open. I mean, we're definitely going to have, we'll we'll go into this more in one of our future episodes. It's going to be a topic that we discuss. We don't have to beat it to death right now. But, um, I, you know, it's to me, it kind of amazes me a little bit though, because if you think about it, this is a touristy area, the bachelorette, the bachelor parties, weddings down here, and you're restricting people here from being able to make a little bit of revenue on the tourism, Mm -hmm. the amount of tourism that comes here. And those, those people that are coming to New Charleston, like park circle, there's no really restrictions on Airbnb. You want them here. They're going to the restaurants, they're going to the bars, they're going, and there's not really a lot of hotels around here that they're going to stay in. So what you're going to do is you're going to take, if you put too many restrictions on, you're going to take that group of people and put them probably in Mount Pleasant or somewhere where there are more hotels Mm -hmm. and that's where they're going to spend their money. Yeah. So I, I caution North Charleston Council yeah. or these other ones, be careful because you're going to take away revenue to your area. Well, we did have a task force, and this is a tangent, but I do think it's interesting to talk about because it's sort of like the hot issue, one of the hot issues right now. Like I'd say this and house and um, Burr mm-hmm. strategy are like the two like real hot, cool things right now. But um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we had did have a task force like a year and a half ago about short-term rentals, and uh, the majority of the people there were hosts or were in favor, and they said all that. And the, the council members and the mayor understand that it's bringing a tremendous amount of revenue, especially up here, because we're not the prime tourist destination mm-hmm. for the Charleston area. So it's bringing a ton of money to this neighborhood and all these small businesses, and it's making people aware of a different part of Charleston. Yeah. And we just had somebody stay like two months ago, and they liked it so much that they went ahead and signed a lease at the factory apartment up the street. So, I mean, there's like proven evidence that it's bringing more revenue, you know, more residents, which is more tax revenue right. for the city. Um, so, anyways, let's not let's not take away from Patrick <laughs> yeah. here. Our guest. Well, let's, let's, <coughs> I just want to throw one more oh, thing sorry, on, yeah, on yeah, the SDR side of it. Is um, me working a full time job. Mm-hmm. I was also self managing. Yeah, that's hard. And that's a whole other job in yeah. itself. So I, I've got nothing against SDRs. And people are making work and making a ton of money doing it. It wasn't for me. It wasn't for my wife. Yeah. But it was the leaving my job at noon when somebody just checked out to go clean up, change over beds, Mm -hmm. do a whole bunch of stuff at the house over the next two hours, which is taking me away from my day job, um, for somebody to come in at three or four o'clock on a check-in. Yeah. Um, and then I have to stay late at my job to to make up those hours. It's hard work that it just got, it got to be way too much. So me personally, if I was ever going to do it again, um, I would hire a manager. Yeah. Which again, you got to build that into your guy. Yeah. I mean, a lot of them are 15 percent. Yeah. 15, 18 percent. Yeah. Hiring that. So. Um, well, let's talk as an architect. Tell us about your Freedman's Cottage because it's a super cool home. Oh yeah, the the Lime Street House. That was that was just it was it was so interesting to be part of that history. Yeah. This this house, I mean, eighteen nineties house in fantastic condition. Um, upkeep had been done, but no real like renovation work had been done, so it was really cool. Um, but it was just just architecture. It was that traditional. Charleston style, single, uh, single family, just tiny little house. Yeah. It was a tiny house. Yeah. It was. It was a tiny house. But before was, that was cool too. Like yeah. it yeah. qualifies. It's four hundred square feet. It's, right. it's a tiny it's, house. I mean, yeah. It was, in, yeah. Uh, it was in. There's a Freedman's Cottage book of Charleston. And yeah. It was listed in that, which the one right next to it's on the on the market right now. Really? Yeah. The hmm. one right next to it's on the market. Cool. Um, 
but it was just it was really cool to kind of be a part of that and see that and see you know inside there wasn't any special detailing but the exterior of it was yeah and when we redid the exterior of it and it, it came out fantastic mm, it looks really good doing that. You just for people that live in charleston those are significant they have a lot of um relevance historically mm-hmm. um and culturally too so it's just a really really cool property so you and your wife and how many dogs did you guys yeah, have? Yeah, we ended point? up having two dogs. We moved in with one big one and then yeah. ended up getting a second one. So two people, two dogs, 400 square feet, 800 square foot lot. Not a good combination right. for a long time. <laughs> uh, my, my wife's the same, um, putting up with us for so long. But uh, Now you have the Greenway. So at least you have a lot of walking yeah, 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 where you live. Yeah. Yeah, so then you just flip flipped back yeah, to the just, Windermere house. We just kind of flipped it. We moved yeah. back into the Windermere house, started renting out the Line Street house. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, we couldn't get the rental numbers where we needed them to be, so we were losing money every month and made it work for a little while, and then we sold it over yeah. the summer. And the sell was interesting because it ended up being, the buyer, I won't say who, I don't even remember their names, but it ended up being somebody you knew. Yeah, somebody I knew who actually looked at it the same day that I bought it, Yeah, um, which was kind of interesting, yeah. so it kind of came back. And when we bought it, the seller was doing a 1031. So that was interesting because when when we sold it, we almost did a ten thirty one with the proceeds, yeah. and we you you decided against that for really for just massive yeah for personal reasons yeah. honestly it was kind of what you're comfortable <coughs> with uh, the rules associated with the ten thirty one are great when everything works out mm-hmm. but when when you sell a place like that and it's all based on value mm-hmm. so we sold that place for three hundred and ten I yeah, think a little over three hundred. Um, so I needed to buy something at least 310 yeah. or more. Or a couple things for 310. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. Mm-hmm. But the way that it's, it's, situ- it's stipulated is once I identify these things, it's really, really difficult to break away. So mm-hmm. if I want to spread that out over three properties, which is what we would need to do in mm-hmm. the areas I was looking, um, we need to get three places identified, three of those under contract, mm-hmm. and buy all three of those with the same amount of money that I was 1031. Which, which is hard. Like almost mm-hmm. impossible yeah. in the six months that we had to do mm-hmm. it. I was going to say it's a short time frame too. Yeah, yeah. it's not so, easy. And yeah. you have to worry about the capital too because you've got <clears throat> down payment, all your closing costs, and then a lot of these properties we're looking at need renovations. Right, exactly. So where you can't use just your 1031 exchange funds right. for all those things on three different properties. It just is not easy yeah, to get. Yeah, I got too much. So, and like I said, I had money in the market, so I actually took all of my money out of the 401ks, mm-hmm. um, paying the taxes on that to be able to buy other rental properties because yep. that's what I understand, that's what I know, that's what I prefer to invest in. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what creates not just long-term wealth, but cash flow yep. month to month. Um, so I ended up doing that too, but it was, yeah, the, the 1031 was it was just a little bit too much on what I was trying to do. Yeah. And at some point, you have to realize that and say, mm-hmm. you know what, it's <clears> worth <throat> paying the taxes on this right now and just kind of take it down and, and start fresh. I think you made the right decision. <clears throat> yeah, I'm glad you did it <clears throat> because we were able to, to get you an asset that makes a lot more sense. Mm-hmm. And that, no, that is, that is a smart move. And I think it's good for people to hear that too. Just because you have capital gains you're going to have to pay, it doesn't always make sense just to make a bad investment decision with that. It, you know, sometimes it makes, you know, sometimes you just got to pay taxes. You just mm-hmm. pay the taxes on it. You make smart investment decisions and you, um, right. you know, overall, you're going to make out better. Yeah, and that's what I think the time that's... frame does. You know, you got, yeah. you got those six months, you got those properties identified. If you're scrambling at the end, mm-hmm. you're going to jump into a bad deal just yeah. to get, get those funds spent. And then it's not worth it the whole thing. Yeah, you're going to end up losing more money than what you're paying taxes. Yeah, for sure. And, and now just... you have this one consolidated asset now, too. So when you sell that, 
it's going to be a lot easier if you want to do one. Right. It's just and the one exchange you got to work about. And it's a much less uh, lower starting point too. Yep. So I don't have to get up to three hundred and fifteen thousand. I can. I'm. I'm starting much lower. Which, and that's such a good thing to for people to be aware of because, like, for me, for example, I'm selling one of my rentals, and I might JV with someone that property I just talked about a little while ago. If I can figure out how to do it, where we refinance and then whatever, you know, ownership of that property is my ten thirty one. But this is an asset that's like going to probably be valued over a half million dollars. So when we sell that later and when you're partnered with people, you might have more pressure to sell mm -hmm. earlier than you want to and when you're not prepared to do so. So if we have to turn around and sell that thing and I don't have a hundred thousand dollars, you know, to go on and buy the next thing that's over 500, then I might just have to eat the taxes. Mm -hmm. And that's well, just kind of the risk you take sometimes because some mm -hmm. of it's prospecting, you yeah. know, I mean, talk to your accountant we're not. Yeah, tax people here to talk to. Thank you. <laughs> they, uh, they they'll probably be able to help you out with yeah. uh, how to mitigate some of that mm -hmm. you know, in those situations. Mm -hmm. so. And uh, and again, we'll do this on another future podcast. But another way to do that is you could you only need to use your capital gains money as an opportunity zone. Yeah, there's a lot of factors that are involved in that. It's not as easy as just. But the good thing about that is, as Patrick mentioned, he sold it for three hundred ten thousand. He needs to use three hundred ten thousand or more to go buy homes to do the ten thirty one exchange. Let's say he made, I'm just throwing this out there, this is not what he made, but let's just say he made 50 grand on it. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. And, but you can only, you can just use that 50 grand. You can right. use it for selling businesses, mm -hmm. stock, or um, a home, whatever the capital gains is. So there are other avenues, but again, it's got to, it's got to make sense. Yeah. And that's also a longer term play. That's a five, seven or 10 right. year play. Yeah. Yeah. It took a lot of the stress out of it, that making that decision to not. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It was, it was a good decision. Yeah. Especially when you're moving too, like in the middle of all that. So you ended up buying, like we said, in Wayland, Dan helped you find a property. Yep. Um, yeah, this was, this was interesting because Troy, you and I have been looking for what, 10 months a year something or like something that. like that yeah. in, in the Chicora neighborhoods, mm -hmm. the Windsor Place neighborhoods, um, about five months in the Wayland neighborhood, just for, just for something to come along. And then, you know, Dan's been helping a little bit with that. And then Dan calls me up and says, Hey, I got this agent on the line he needs to sell this house mm -hmm. um it's been on the market for about three months would you take it at this price you know, i ran some numbers and said yeah i think mm -hmm. i can make that work and uh i think one other one other offer came in that same day mm -hmm. and they uh they contemplated for about 24 hours and said we're, we're good to go good. and uh worked it worked out pretty well mm -hmm. um so then we started talking about okay well where am I getting this money for the rehab from? Because you know I had had enough to do the the purchase and, and some of the work, but not all of the work that needed to be done. Yeah, you know, some of these houses are, are a little bit beat up. Um, so that's when we started talking to some mortgage brokers, some different banks, and uh, figured out that of all the times that I've tried to get a purchase with a renovation, nobody has ever said anything that there is actually a renovation loan. Mm -hmm. I've asked this question. 20, 30 times yeah. in the last three years. Nobody's ever mentioned it. And all of a sudden, it's everywhere. Yeah. You know, I talked to mm -hmm. five different people who said, oh, yeah, just do this. Was it the home style yeah. loan with, yeah. uh, with Fannie and Freddie? Yeah. Um, and it was like five people came up with it. And it's very much geared toward purchasing a primary residence. Yeah. You can purchase a primary, a duplex, you know, anything. I think up to a, you might not be able to do a quad, but you can at least do a duplex. But you can also do an investment single family. Mm. Nothing more than a single family, but you can do an investment single family. Um, so that's that's where we started to go down this road. And again, it was all about um, how much risk can you can you can mitigate. Mm. And I'm not familiar with hard money. Right? So yeah. I still consider myself a little bit inexperienced because I don't know 
how to how to go about with hard money and yeah. do some of these things. So for me, it felt much safer to go the traditional bank route. Um, looking back, I really wish I would have explored the hard money a little bit. Um, there are some nuances with the home sell, and I think it worked out. It's been working out very well. Um, we're still in some of the early stages, but I think that I probably could have saved a couple of grand overall because I'm mm -hmm. planning on refinancing this thing mm -hmm. in, yeah. in six months. So this months. is almost a burr, really. Uh, right? Yeah, essentially, yeah. I'm just using the bank to burr something <clears throat> to yeah. the bank. Um, yeah. But uh, I think there, there could have been some different avenues, and I wish I, I had explored more of the hard money options, knowing that I was just going to end up refinancing it. I, I, to be fair, man, I didn't even think about that. We talk, When we talked at Dan's wedding, we talked about this deal, and you said, I think I probably could have just used hard money for what the costs were for the, re the more conventional renovation style loan. And I was like, yeah, I guess that would have been, even though, because when you look at it on paper, you're thinking 10% rate. For this hard money, that's ridiculous, and whatever two points or whatever. But when you look at if you compare that to the conventional or any kind of renovation loan, it's a much lower rate because it's more traditional financing. But then there's a bunch of other fees in there you don't know about. Right, and with the uh, with the home style loan, with the renovation loan, they try to charge me an architect fee. Yeah. like I am the architect. Yeah, yeah. like yeah. I don't need that. Get that. Get that out of there. Yeah, and it took me a while to, to get them out of yeah. get it out of there. Um, but you pay your permit fee up front. You pay all these other inspection fees because mm -hmm. it's like the FHA 203k loan where they an inspector needs to come out every time you go to a draw yeah. you know so there's all these admin fees that come along with it and, and it builds and there were some points there too yeah and there was there were some points fees, right? because it's an investment loan mm -hmm. and the interest rate is a little bit higher because it's an investment loan yeah um so so there are some bits and pieces <clears throat> that come along with that the hard money would take that off and, and then you do have to use licensed insured contractors. Yeah. Not to say that you shouldn't use licensed insured contractors, but we all have networked and know people who might not be insured or mm -hmm. licensed to do certain work, but know how to do certain yeah. work and can do it for a lot less. And they're making you pay your contract. You have to pay your contractor on waves, right? So you'll do a certain percentage yeah, of the work. you do up to five draws over the course of the, yeah. the construction. Um, so my construction period is five or six weeks. Mm -hmm. So I'll probably do three draws over that just to yeah. make sure his subs are getting paid and he's he's getting paid. He's a, my uh, my contractor's a great guy, um, but he's a one man show. So if he's not getting paid kind of somewhat regularly, he's he's really hurting. Yeah, so sure. And we make had, sure you keep him happy. And we had talked about that a little bit. It's funny about I don't know when it was a week and a half before we closed. We were chatting. Hey, does it make sense even now to switch the hard money? We kind of chatted a little bit about that, and I think. Patrick's situation ended up working out about as perfect as it could have. There were little speed bumps. We'll talk. Uh, I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about that in a minute. But um, one of the key factors was he had a general contractor who responded well, mm -hmm. turned stuff around, was able to subcontract the people, and was perfectly fine with that because part of the loan process mm -hmm. is. They're only paying the GC. They're not paying five different contractors. Yeah, yeah. So that's where if if all that didn't fall into play, he maybe had to go to hard money because mm -hmm. if he was going to have to do a little, you know, you know pay four, four different contractors or, or there's a couple other factors that kind of popped up, but it all worked out in his favor for this, which was great. And it's, yeah, it's good, but, um, he's, he's, he's been great. He's been great to work with through this mm -hmm. whole, the whole process. And, uh, like you mentioned that they make that check out to the GC. Yeah. They don't make it out to me to mm -hmm. pay other contractors. Yeah. They make it out to him. So he has to take care of everything. Mm -hmm. Um, and he's been great for that. And, He's been a good guy to know. That is, because I've used hard money for, normally I use private money for my flips. So it's a lot less restrictive. But I have used hard money for quite a few. And even, I'd say that's a little bit less red tape 
um, in the beginning, obviously, you don't have, most of the time, there's, there's no underwriting based on your income, so it's going to be asset-based and all that stuff, mm-hmm. but you still do have a lot of the same problems where you get, they do a construction hold back, and then you'll do X amount of waves, and you got to pay for those inspections, too, and with one of those lenders, at least, it wasn't even an inspector, really, that was coming to check. It was a relative of the lender who was coming to check so i'm like i'm paying this dude like 200 bucks to come check and make like i already sent you photos you know come on it's it's he can't verify things were done correctly if he's not an inspector right um so that was a little difficult but they are a little bit more flexible on the licensing they they say in their documents they to be a licensed insured contractor um but you can trade it out so they'll make the check out to me i'll get a wire when i request it within you know 72 hours of the inspection process being done and then it's my life, my responsibility to pay out from there which is nice but i think that also could get you into trouble too you know if you've got all these trades you're trying to wrangle and pay all these guys so i think for your first one like this it probably is better to do it the more conventional route maybe it, it, it was it was safer like i didn't yeah. i didn't feel like i was you know losing money because I might be paying a couple extra grand yeah. instead of going mm-hmm. with hard money. Um, it, it felt more secure and it was an easier process to go through. And you do have a mortgage broker who's helping you through the whole process right. and, mm-hmm. and giving you the information. So I think it was good to gain that knowledge and it got me to what I needed it to get done. It got me the deal. It got me the money I needed for the construction side of it. Um, and so I do think it was a decent route for, yeah. for this project, especially early on in, in my investing career. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not as, those loans aren't quite as predatory either. So right. what's the turnaround on those? Do they have a certain amount of months until you're supposed yeah, you, to? You have to start it, start work within 30 days. And I think you have six months to do the work. Okay. That's um, nice. So, it, I mean, it's a, it's a pretty good, one. I think it's a, it's a great product for anybody who's looking to house hack mm-hmm. to actually like get into their own first house mm-hmm. or second house as a, as a primary residence uh, to fix up, do a live-in flip even, yeah. um, fix it up, live there, and then turn it around on the back end. I think the investment side of it added a, a little bit of uh, a little bit of difficulty yeah. to the whole process. So does it just go fixed after yeah. the work is completed? Yeah. So instead of doing yeah. like a construction loan that you roll over into a mortgage, yeah. this just is automatically rolled over. And that is That's nice. another thing about not using the hard money and doing yeah. this. It's like you know it's going fixed when you're right. done. And yeah. it's, you don't have to go through another process of right. getting well, done. Yeah. But on the, on the back end of that is, is I do feel like I'll probably re- refinance this in 6 to 12 months yeah. when I can and, right. uh, and take that cash back out and try to do something mm-hmm. else. Um, where you're going to do that with a hard money loan anyway. Yeah. So if you if that's what you're thinking about doing, then there's a balance that you can compare there. If, if that's not your game plan to yeah. refinance in six or 12 months, well, I'm about, a great product. I'm going to do it soon with something in Hanahan that the intention is to be a short-term rental um, because that municipality has no rules at the moment on that. Um, so I've also made sure the numbers work as a long-term bond hold too, but for now that would be the maximum cash flow I'd get. So I'm gonna use hard money to buy it at, my, the rough numbers on it are like 80, probably put like 25 in it, and I think it'll be valued more at like 150. So I'll have to, but that because that's a construction loan, I only have I think nine months. So I gotta finish it and it's an eight and three quarters rate, and then I will refinance with probably another no income lender as well, another hard money lender that does a fixed loan, but it's still gonna be a pretty high rate. It's probably gonna be like in the sixes when I do that. Um, but I have to pay points on all that and all that kind of stuff again. But what's probably vital for people that wanna do this is, if you have a good W-2 job, then 
that conventional might be a great option mm-hmm. for you. If you're self-employed and you write everything off, you probably can't do that anyway. That's another yeah. point, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So you're you're boned. You got to just use what you can get. Right. <laughs> so, there's there's good things about working a full time. Oh job yeah, too, right? and benefits, man. How um, and I think uh, you kind of touched upon this just with one of the fees. You touched upon it how you're able to get rid of it, but how does your background kind of help you with this deal and and get you going on it? Uh, yeah. So it's um, it, it's taken me kind of a, a long way. So I, it, what it's helped with is value add type opportunities. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I can take a look around a place and, and analyze it pretty quickly and whether or not it, it's structurally sound, whether or not I might be able to add a bedroom or, or a bathroom with, you know, without having to do too much. Mm-hmm. You know, my, my wife keep wa- keeps wanting to add on to our house yeah. right now. And so yeah, we can get a whole other bedroom if we add on. Like, we can get a bedroom if we just do this. Yeah. She's like, yeah, uh-huh. I can. And uh, so it's like, it, can, it really helps with those types of things. So we walked into this place and mm-hmm. we were, you know, uh, took a look around and was like they're they're advertising this as a three bedroom this is a four bedroom yeah this is a big place this is a four bedroom place right off the bat uh-huh. um and knowing that knowing that is apparently apparently the appraisers yeah don't add for a fourth be- bedroom from going from two to three it, it gives you value going mm-hmm. from three to four it doesn't it's stupid i uh, didn't didn't realize that either but the, but it's still as a rental yeah i can market it as a four bedroom mm-hmm. so it's, added about what, 100 a month or so or? yeah added about 100, 150 there's not a lot of fours over there either because i have a four mm-hmm. two in dorchester terrace and i've never marketed it as a four really i've always said the third room is kind of an accessory thing but when i refinanced those like two years ago i well for one the tenant base likes to see it there's just the additional space they like but when i refinanced those a couple of years ago i had an, an, an appraiser come and i told him like and this is not a fourth bedroom but this is like the accessory room and to my surprise, he said, well, I'm going to call it a fourth bedroom. And it did add value in that case. Yeah. I think it just depends. I think like, it's, appraisals are somewhat subjective. They are. As much as they, they try really to be are. a science, yep. they, they are somewhat subjective. Yep. And that's another thing we learned through this whole process, Dan mm-hmm. and I, uh, with, with this home style loan, is you know, we, we had planned on doing a certain amount of renovation, and it did not include a new HVAC system. Right. They had a heater. They had window units. We got the appraisal back, and it did not come in where we needed it to mm-hmm. you know you you need to have your 20 percent down and uh, i was going to need to have another five grand out of pocket yeah. or something to, to close um, and we started talking and looking at the appraisal they had valued that central hvac system at twenty five thousand dollars. that's crazy so dan and i were like well if we add that to the construction budget we'll get to that appraised number and yeah. more than what we need it to be at. So yeah. just by by adding in the, the money to put in a whole new central HVAC system, we got an extra like twenty thousand dollars, thirty thousand dollars, thirty thousand dollars central system yeah. uh, just mm-hmm. for putting in the HVAC system. That's so crazy. It, and the cost so, is nowhere near that. So it, yeah, the right. benefit of yeah, that is exactly, extreme. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So so it was like it was a really good experience that mm-hmm. this appraisal appraisal came back so low that we might not have gotten if we had gone the hard money route. Right. Yep. Uh, we would have just gone forward with how we were planning, but but being able to do that got us the extra 30000 in equity That's awesome. that we weren't expecting. And, and quick, man, they put that in so quick too, by oh, the yeah, way. It was, it was like two it was, days. It was two, two, days, two yeah. days. Yeah, a whole new system installed. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's, job. that's um, you know, appraisers, we've had a few this year that have been problematic. They, can, yes. they make mistakes and then they have more of a licensure to do what they do than we do even i mean as a broker i can do bpos but they're not going to supersede an appraisal but appraisers will allow you to challenge them if you disagree you just have to make a good sensible case so you had like two this year right Uh, i've had a couple and i've had good luck and i mean i had one that appraised (coughs) 
geez, $25,000 less than it had to. And I was able to use comps of a new build community next door mm -hmm. to show the extra added value because in this specific community, there weren't really many homes sold in there. They were all like a couple years old. So all either brand new and they were sold a lot less yeah. a couple years ago and they're worth a lot more. And the community next door, similar size homes, are selling for 150 grand, starting at 150 grand more. Now, granted, they have some more features and stuff, but we were able to get that extra and value. Adjust it down yeah. for a newer construction. I have, exactly. so we act, I'm doing a wholetail and I'm using hard money on it right now. And the appraisal, it came in at the value I needed, but they didn't include the only sold comp in the same neighborhood for the last year. They went like miles away yeah. to pull similar construction. I'm like, that's fine. But you need to look at the immediate neighborhood first. And it was the same construction. It just had been renovated even more. So it's like, why would you not? This is the only sold comp in the same neighborhood for the last year. Why the hell did you not include this? But I didn't need to challenge it because it at least came in at what I needed. But that's, I, I don't know. There's not a lot of logic to it sometimes. Yeah, you know? so I, think, I think one of the ones that they had on ours was a two-bedroom instead of a three-bedroom. But they excluded the one that had a deck. Yeah, because it wasn't similar yeah. enough. It was I, it's too. for some reason, yeah, deck was killing the appraisal right. part, of it. and that was one of the better ones I think. The right. comp too, so it was just, yeah, yeah it, was, it was fun trying to get that be, appraisal. It can be weird, but like, but I it said, worked out. Yeah, it helped us out mm -hmm. in the end. So yeah. I, I mean, I'm glad we we kind of went through that. Cause otherwise, I wouldn't have done the system, and I wouldn't have that extra equity in the yeah. house. That's awesome. mean, it's more it's more rentable. It'd be more marketable yeah. when you sell it. I mean, there's you don't have to worry about um, moisture issues as much now that you have a system in this. So there's a lot of benefits. To having to have done it, right? But, I but just, still, yeah, it I was. I think the cost yeah. was going to be able to offset that much. Yeah, yeah. I was, we were both really surprised yeah. at, at what we were able to get. That's fantastic. For, for that system. Mm -hmm. So you finally, so we we did. You did have to allow the tenant to stay there briefly. Yeah. So we we got to the closing table. We're sitting at the closing table, <laughs> uh, Dan and I, and Longest we, closing. we signed all of the documents. <laughs> where you know our lawyer is getting everything ready to send over to to the other lawyer, and we get a phone call. Asking if we can push closing back a week, and first Dan and I look at each other and I'm like, "You gotta be kidding me!" And so we we kind of talk a little bit. We we don't want to push this back at all. Mm -hmm. like, we know we know we, we need close on this side. If we can figure something out, but I want to get started. I want to keep going. Um, don't want to lose the momentum, mm -hmm. right? There's also um, a rate lock in play, right? You yeah, got you got to pay more to keep your rate locked. Lock. Yeah. I mean, so those factors cost in play. Us money to yeah, have yeah. To, to close. And it was not your fault that this needed to be no. pushed back. No, no, and they so. This was kind of an interesting one because we were going to buy this place and our sellers were going to buy another place mm -hmm. and then those sellers were going to buy another place. So it was like three or four domino mm -hmm. effects yeah. down the road that ours was going to be the first one to set this thing off. And and the hardest loan structure to get and right. the most, right. Right. most moving parts. parts. There's, no yes. way, there's no way you're going to do this in this time frame. I'll do what I can, but you, you know, yeah. I plan on another two weeks and yeah. we got it done. We got everything moving forward and then yeah. they're just traditional loan took them like 10 weeks that's crazy and, and it just kept getting pushed back kept getting pushed back so we did uh end up working out an agreement for them to stay for a week uh so they can get to the closing table in, in a week uh, we were going to do a little bit of the exterior work at that time and uh then that friday came along and like no we need another week mm -hmm. and so we renegotiated pretty hard on that one because it was like okay now i'm really starting to lose money on this thing. yeah 
And thank you to Eric and Patrick for that. That yeah. happened to be the day before I'm getting married. Yeah, and you. I hate not helping yeah. out, but my, my yeah, thank you, Eric, partners yeah, yeah, helped out with that, that one. Great. Yeah, I think I found out about that on your wedding day. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, at your wedding, I was like, oh, shit. I was like, Patrick, yeah. do you mind working with Eric here? Because I really have a lot going yeah. on right now. I and like, I felt so bad because I want to help out. Two days yeah. before your wedding, yeah. I was like, I don't, I don't want to call Dan. Yeah. But, like, I don't know what to do. Yeah. At least we got free food that, that way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Dan. Uh, yeah, no problem. Uh, no problem. But yeah, so, so we pushed a little harder and renegotiated that piece of it. And they, they did get out at the end of that that agreement. Um, and they actually moved into their other place before they had closed on that one, too. So they were they were some good people. Yeah. They were yeah. decent enough to work with. You know, I wasn't going to throw them out of the house mm-hmm. and not give them a place. It's got to be. We've talked about it before. It's, it's a win-win for everybody. Right. You know, yep. And it was a win for us because we got the house that they needed to sell. Um, I believe she was pregnant and wanted to move back to her hometown mm-hmm. um, to, to be able to do that. So it was a win-win for everybody, but we're not going to throw anybody out on the street if you're trying to do that then, yeah. then things aren't going going your way. Yeah, you're not going to have a lot of luck in the future if you right. burn bridges like right. that. And I, I looked at that property, I think I showed it a long time ago, and I thought it was a great deal. So I think you got it for an even better price mm-hmm. than what I looked at a long time ago. Yeah, there's a little bit more structural issues. Um, we were also lucky enough that uh, you know we, we excluded due diligence um, and inspections mm-hmm. and our, our inspections in our due diligence. Um, but we already had two inspection reports right. being under contract previously. Mm-hmm. So I was just able to look through that and, and, again, using my background, know what I needed to or didn't need to really take care of right away. Yeah. Um, and base of value right there and then and we had an offer in you know within hours yeah because we had all the information that's awesome so yeah, i think we now, still ended up beating them up for a little bit less than what yeah, they wanted there, there so we got a little bit more off too which yeah. is nice but uh well you found more damage than you were expecting too so it, yeah you know yeah. um so as of now it's finally vacant and you yep. guys have just kind of how far into the renovation are you at this point um so financially we're about halfway done okay We've got the big things the hvac systems installed the roof uh, is, is redone the exterior walls are open and ready to be reframed cool. um, the interior subfloor damage has been repaired so uh, this weekend I get to make a nice trip to the supply store so yeah. I get a whole bunch of stuff um, and with my contractor and uh, really get started and hopefully next week week after this whole thing's put back together I'm hoping to have it on the market November 1 that's pretty quick so it's, I mean, it's really quick and yeah. so like I said my contractor's been pretty great I think what's holding me up is the fact that I work a nine to five yeah. job. So the you know the painting that I'm trying to do myself mm-hmm. or a little bit of ceiling uh, mm-hmm. sheet rocking isn't going as quickly as I hoped it would because mm-hmm. I'm only over there for two or three hours every night. And yeah, it doesn't always go well, too quick. Did we take painting time away from you tonight? You did. I'm sorry. Is Jesse painting at least while you're here? No, 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 no she's, she's not painting. No, no, yeah. yeah. I think that's, I think uh, we've talked about this before too, and how important, I'm sure people have heard this time and time again, how important it is to put a team together. But in this case, during the loan process and now during the execution, having a good contract is really. Yeah, so the, the whole, the whole process there, starting with both of you guys uh, as, as agents and brokers, um, going through the a mortgage broker, and I'll mention Kelly Phillips, absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Um, and then with my contractor as well, um, that the whole process has been so so much better, so much streamlined because of that team that I have in place. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and John Florence was the attorney at the closing, and he too sat with us for three hours yeah, on yeah. that day of closing because we, we he was yeah. helping try and figure this thing out. And I'm sure he was happy to do it, and Kelly, because you've done multiple transactions with both mm-hmm. of them at this point, and 
I wasn't able to. So you were getting back into looking again was shortly after I had my baby, and I was out of my fucking mind. So <laughs> fortunately, Dan was able to like step in and salvage your efforts, which was awesome. It worked out great. And then even a third agent with our company helped at the yep. end because Dan was getting married. So, yeah. you know, and we're all happy to do that for each other, you know, and you would help. You've already offered to help me with something that I'm interested in. You're helping Dan with stuff. So it's all just a big yeah, I've been trying to help you with a lot of different stuff I know. even around here that I know. Uh, you just never take me up on I know man I just <laughs> I get started too quickly it's always the baby I'm a baby <laughs> it's a... I know. No, I, I'm guilty of like being too anxious and starting something too quick and then like a quarter of the way in being like oh man I should have taken a minute and like figured out what I was gonna do before I started it but I'm just always in a hurry so I just like attack it and then put it back together after yeah so you know, so run us through the numbers on this one real quick, if you want to purchase oh, yeah, sure. Reno. So, yeah, the, this was a little bit all over the place. So we we were under contract at eighty eight thousand. Um, we had a little bit of seller closing costs in there that we found out you it was exceeded the amount that you could have a seller pay mm, right. for an investment loan. So we renegotiated down to like eighty seven, roughly. Because um, I think it was two percent. Yeah, you're like that's when we had three percent. Yeah, so that's it, it's that's that's stuff changes long. too. That's yeah. what's so frustrating mm-hmm. is like year to year those mortgage laws can change. Mm-hmm. So you might think you've got something like that lock and you know exactly what it is constantly, but they'll they could change it the following year. And we normally are not the first ones to know it. Usually it's the lender. So we find out halfway through a transaction, they're like, oh yeah, well as of you know. Uh, January 1, 2020, we, this new thing took effect and it can really, it happened here. We were able to adjust numbers. I'll I'll let you talk about it. So, so so we purchased at 87, um, we're putting 30 into it and it's appraised at 145. Awesome. Yeah. Um, which, which is good. So over, overall, I think it's going to work out to about a 15% cash on cash. That's awesome. Um, Which should, you know, I'm pretty happy with. And you should be able to cash out and get basically yeah, all and, of it out and hopefully in six months i can refinance you know i know dan you're working with uh, i think ruby up in the area too or yep. selling stuff that's starting to appraise even higher than that mm-hmm. so yep. and, uh, what was the appraised value on the back end 145. 145 yeah i just closed one over there for 140 i think like a couple months ago so and it was smaller i believe yeah this yours. is a pretty big place like yeah. so if we they, if somebody puts an extra five grand to a fourth bedroom mm-hmm. on our appraisal and yeah, that's so awesome, man. It'll I'm look glad. a lot nicer too, because I mean that one forty five is based on some other stuff that 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 home style loan can only give you an ARV based on the work that you're doing mm. on the documentation with the bank. Okay. So it doesn't take into account the extra work that I'm doing to right. out of out of my own pocket hmm. up front. So it could mm-hmm. appraise even higher based on some of the stuff that I'm doing separately. That's interesting. And we were able to too, um, one of the things I was thinking of, although it didn't really matter in this appraisal, but I was talking the other agent in the middle of it was listed as a three two. And I had talked to him like, listen, that's a fourth bedroom back there. And he had changed it to a four two. So hopefully that'll help later on too in the uh the appraisal process that it's going to be transferred four two to four two to yeah to keep it going but yeah that's um I, I had a question for you because I know we've kind of talked about some of these things I'm sorry did you finish yeah, up the number with any numbers um learning what's the like tips advice like what's the best thing you've learned from this or a couple things or whatever the case is yeah uh, um so team team is important mm-hmm. we talked about that uh, explore options. Like I said, I mean, going through the hard money, I was 
too scared, too reluctant to kind of go through that, but it could have could have really helped me out on this. Man, the mm-hmm. numbers even better. Um, so those, I think, those are the two biggest yeah. that I've taken out out of this this whole process. Mm-hmm. Um, also, yeah, explore options and ask the questions. Because like yeah. I said, I've been told that there's not a loan program with a bank that does this. That's huge. And now all of a sudden, I, I got three or four different yeses. Yeah. There is a product that that does this, and it's year to year apparently something changes yeah and that's vital i think just asking like no matter who it is you say like hey this is what i want to do do you have anything that can help me that's exactly what i said yeah, yeah. and i said yeah well we can do that i'll put you in contact with this guy he takes care of those yeah great yeah that's awesome man mm-hmm. i'm really glad you got that i think it'll be a good one and it's a basically a textbook burr yeah. the funding may have been a little different than what some of the books and podcasts are saying because they're all pushing you more towards the hard money and the you know non-conforming financing but it's basically the same and you've eliminated a whole step with the refinance um because a lot there's a lot of banks credit unions and stuff that'll do it and keep it in-house they do the same thing they'll do the acquisition the um, construction and then they'll just revert it later to a fixed amount but yours was not directly through like a credit union or a bank right um Yours is, you know, through a more conventional means. So I think you're going to be in really good shape. And then if you want to further um, improve it after that, then you can just refinance it again and take right. your capital out yep. and just do it again. Yep. You know, that's awesome. Anything else you want to talk about that project or anything? Or because we want to go to some switch no, from business to. If you guys have any other questions on that one too, I think it's going to be a great project. Pro, uh, project for kind of going to be a great investment. Uh, it's going to cash flow. It's going to give me some equity. It's going to yeah. start building the long term wealth that I'm shooting for and hopes to get out of the nine to five gig and um, yeah. tell you guys my goal is by the time I'm 40 excuse me four years um, to, to actually be not necessarily full-time investing mm-hmm. but not have to rely so much on the w2 yeah to be You'll, financially free enough to not rely on a w2 yeah. at least have more of that like baseline where you feel like you you're ready to go yeah when you exactly. get there that's awesome man yeah. and I'm glad you said that because that's we can keep it on record and I'm glad you two are doing your accountability meetings too. That mm-hmm. um, we should spin that. You guys can take it, but y'all should spin that into a, a bigger thing. You know, if yeah. anybody listens mm-hmm. to this and they'd be interested in maybe meeting up with you guys when you do it. Um, yeah, we've talked about getting to that next level. It's been slow with a lot yeah. of different things yeah, going on. About, but... about starting a meetup and, yeah. and doing some things with that too, and, cool. and kind of branching out. I mean, what you guys are doing here with this podcast is only helping the Charleston Investor Network and. Uh, we want to continue doing more with that too. Yeah, I want to be a bigger part of that. That's awesome. Well, you will be, and you yeah. have been. We got a happy hour coming up on the twenty fifth. Yep. Um, you guys have your meeting, breakfast meeting. You go to the breakfast meeting pretty frequently. Uh, I was. I haven't been able to because yeah. I, I have switched my W two oh, right. job somewhat recently. So yeah. I'm, uh, and I've been working on this flip during some business hours from yeah. time to time. So I kind of have to make sure I'm I'm putting in the FaceTime at the office. Yeah. I hear you. Yeah, the That's breakfast awesome. meeting is good though. It's, it's very good. informative. Yeah, it's Kelly, very Kelly did a good one last one. Yeah, um, I meant to go. Yeah, so she, she's just an amazing person. So listening to her go is um. Yeah, some really good people really, there. Some yeah. great people to know. Cool. A lot of them you've had on the podcast already. Yeah, yeah, Kelly, I got to get in here pretty soon. I've, I've been bugging her about coming in, so get her in here. Well, that's it for Patrick Orifice today, man. I'm glad you came in. Um, but before we let him go, yeah. I do want to ask you, you know, some ways, you know, you enjoy life. Like oh, when sorry. you're not working, oh, you know, these five yeah, different jobs, I know you got caddy too. Caddy at Kiowa Resorts too <laughs> on the weekends. That, uh, so yeah, one of the, one of the things that with the, with the caddy in is, is 
you know, there's a lot of stuff out there. We talk a lot about investing here, but there's a lot to be said for the base financial statement of yourself, your family, however that, that goes. And, you know, I financed that STR renovation on my credit card. And to be honest with you, I'm still paying it off. Mm-hmm. And so I started caddying as a way to knock this down. It's been great in six months caddying. I almost got the whole thing paid off. That's awesome. Nice. Um, so it's like, which will only then further my investing stuff. Mm-hmm. So I think there's, again, a balance in there. But, but yeah, so things I do for fun is I talk to you guys about real estate and call you up and bother you. Um, <laughs> um, uh, my wife and I like to go paddle boarding when we can. Yeah. Uh, you know, Sham Creek area and some of these areas are just fantastic yeah. for that. Um, all the I, dolphins there it's yeah, amazing yeah it's i used crazy. to be big into triathlons and i uh mm-hmm. trying to get back into that as well cool mr iron man here yeah. that's right yes yeah that was a long time ago and your wife <laughs> your wife is really fun to hang out with so i'm sure y'all are yeah she's, yeah, a, she's really she's sweet and cool she's yeah. pretty awesome yeah. she mm-hmm. up with me yeah i hear you man yeah. that's hard enough to do yeah. definitely the cooler one yeah <laughs> <laughs> um any recommendations on books podcasts anything what do you like to listen um, the, to the, read the, the book that I, I recommend is uh robert kiyosaki's cash flow quadrant cool um you and i have talked about that i need mm-hmm. to get you a copy of that cause, uh, when I it's, yet, no. it's definitely one that that changed my mindset about how how to go about making money the way you want to make money that's a good um, one and it, it's been very influential for me to, to readjust how i see the world and how i mm-hmm. go about yeah so who of the two of you who would need the most spousal support do you think on investing like getting your spouse on board to understand what you're trying to do because i have a copy of kiyosaki's board game in the house and i'll let, oh. I'll let somebody borrow it you want to yeah. borrow it yeah it's my wife fun. my wife's great and yeah. she's extremely supportive of all of my investing stuff mm-hmm. um but she's not as excited about it right. as i would like her to be I would, yeah, I'd love to, to play it. Yeah, I'll give it to you on the way out. Fine, if he's going to take it, you then I get it after him. It's yeah. super then fun. Then I get it after him. No, I've been really my wife's supportive, but she's not involved in it, but she's very supportive. Well, it sounds nice. like a yeah. foreign language. Yeah, very similar. If you're yeah. not listening to these podcasts and reading the books and stuff, it seems insurmountable, and it doesn't seem like it's achievable for people, but Rachel understands, but in... The, you know in theory she understands but in the practice it just doesn't make a lot of sense to her so we played it maybe a month ago and had a lot of fun and she kind of understands more now like wh- you know while we're trying to get this and that and move all these things around so yeah but i was curious as how that actually kind of plays out and if it does what what people say that it does yeah it's cool man it's really fun yeah. it takes a minute make sure you got plenty of time because it does take a minute to figure out some of the rules on it but um, I think we had to play it for two nights to finish it because we just didn't have the time. So nice, like risk. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know we're. Uh... Yeah, we have pretty good. A little over an hour here. Yeah, a little so... hour. So I'll, I'll wrap up with a couple of things as we always do. Uh, I get the eco tip. Uh, well, first off, um, just thank Patrick. But I get the eco tip. Um, mine for today is a lot of people use water bottles. It's very easy, especially like when you have a storm coming, we had the hurricane coming what a month ago or so. It's easy to buy, you know, stock up on water bottles. Yeah, every, you know, a lot of people do it, but as best you can, maybe get Brita. If there's a storm coming, fill up some containers of water at your house rather than buying a group of water bottles. Just not only is the plastic bad for the environment, but especially in these hot areas, when your water bottle sits out in heat, the chemicals that come off of it, I'm not going to try to pronounce what they are, but yeah. are not good for you. So uh, just a little ego tip. As best you can, have that reusable water bottle. Um, you know, no one's perfect, but it just helps the environment and also helps your body with less chemicals. And um, a couple things going on around Charleston over the next couple of weeks. I went the Friday before I went to Bigger Pockets Conference in Nashville. 
is Boone Hall has, it's called Friday nights, but it's Thursday through Sunday. It's the Halloween. I have two haunted houses and a haunted hayride. It was awesome. Good. It was so much fun. I mean, there was nothing but teenagers there for the most part. And we were the only old people there. Not the only, but it's a really fun time. I recommend anybody who likes haunted houses or the haunted hayride, they do a really good job setting that up. I mean, it was beyond what you can think about. Um, and I think it was $30 if you group them all together. So it wasn't too bad for the night out each. Uh, anybody who likes to run like Patrick here, the Avondale 5K, and I think that is um, this Saturday, the 12th, and I know the James Island Connector runs coming up in a couple weeks as well. I think it's the week after. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my, yeah, the week after. And then for those of you who like to drink instead of run, the Charleston Wine Festival is Saturday, 1 to 5 downtown over at the cruise, the passenger terminal. Uh, that looks like it should be a pretty good time there as well. Charleston Scotch Festival. I know, right? <laughs> if there is, I promise to let you know if yeah. I see it. Yeah. I bet there is. <laughs> Um, and I also do a newsletter with a lot of these things. Um, they'll tell you what's going on, what's coming up. So anybody wants to, uh, start receiving my newsletter, you could just, you know, reach out to me on Facebook at eco-friendly realtor. You can, um, text, email 843-259-2053, emails driverspmc at gmail.com. Feel free to reach out to me and I'll put you on the newsletter list. It's only twice a month. It's nothing too overwhelming. And I try to just do market updates and tidbits about what's going on. Yeah. You're doing a really good job with that. <clears throat> a lot more discipline than I, I have. <laughs> I it's not easy when you're busy sometimes. Yeah. You just got to like focus, sit down yeah. and get it done. Yeah. It's awesome that you're doing that. Um, and then Ori's birthday is in a week, yes. which is exciting. Birthday, His birthday party will be here next Saturday. If y'all want to come. You, did we send you an yeah, invitation? Uh, yeah, yeah. You're more than welcome to come. I don't remember what time it is. but <laughs> I don't either. I'll go back and look. Yeah. You know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that'll be fun. And then um, I wanted to mention one thing. This might be premature, but I'm going to go ahead and say it. We are working on setting up a new RIA locally. Um, so we finally landed on some logo stuff and design stuff. So I'm working on a website. Um, I think we're going to try to launch it at the beginning of 2020. So that's us, Maven uh, Realty, and then Clear Vision Coaching. So it'll be Kelly, um, Dusty, and Russ. Nice, that'd be great. Yeah, we're excited about it. And we're going to try to make it more just contemporary, do more like kind of an open platform open source like pay as you come not a membership unless you want to do that you can pay for a year if you want um just it's like, not a sales pitchy gimmick no. thing either this is uh informational yeah. if i'm not mistaken a very informative type of yeah. meetup i mean the ultimate goal really is to have a better community mm-hmm. like a better sort of central hub because it's so disjointed right now it's awesome that we have all these different meetings and stuff but um i see the same people go to all these different things it's like well, it'll be nice if once a month we could all come to the same place and talk about and make it almost more like a like an event kind of and have really good discussions there we'll have like kind of like maybe one or two speakers we can have breakout sessions if we want um so i think and we're gonna have them all sponsored too so people can build their teams that way too if they don't have an attorney or they want a new lender or whatever um we might even do a live podcast there one we time. probably we were talking about that we yeah may as so well leverage we'll see, all yeah. that like we got yeah. all these people in the same room that are doing the same stuff i mean and we're gonna sponsor it or be one of the co-founders is Maven. So the hope is anybody that needs representation on that side will think about us first. And then Clear Vision will offer their services, but they have really aggressive pricing for what they do. Um, and it's local. So we're definitely not going to have an impetus on any kind of pitching. Yep. But, you know, I'm really excited about it. I've been working on the website slowly, <laughs> but that'll be done pretty soon so well, websites are tough and i don't understand how to mine either it's hard man i've I got like a better job too i'm bad about it it just they're they're so finicky so it takes a lot of time but that's it for for today um 
This one was a little later than usual. I, yeah. I, if I sound discombobulated, I just took a nap. Like he, he has a baby. Yeah, if we I haven't talked about that yet, <laughs> um, it's been a difficult day. So sorry if I was a little confused. But um, again, we're really glad to have Patrick in here. Uh, if y'all need anything, you can find us online mavenrealtysc.com. You have a site or a way that people can reach you? Uh, yeah, Patrick at arwinstudio.com. Uh, a r w e n cool. studio.com is probably the best way to get to me. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you, Patrick. Yeah, yeah man. Thanks, guys. That's great. That's awesome. I'm so glad you came. And we'll um, be back in a couple weeks. Yep. Bye. Have a good week. Thanks again for listening to the Charleston Real Estate Investors Podcast with Maven Realty. I'm Troy Gandy, broker in charge with Dan Rivers, your eco-friendly realtor. We'll be back soon with another episode. In the meantime, you can find us online at www.mavenrealtysc.com. Don't forget that we're here to help you achieve your financial dreams. Have a great day.